problematic that is. Welcome to Problem Addict, a weekly podcast about notoriously problematic pop culture icons from our favorite reality TV shows past and present, music videos, movies, and everything in between. I don't know how to make this a natural segue, but I really want to tell you about the last few days I had upstate in the country. My husband and I rented an Airbnb about 80, 90 miles outside of New York City, and 90 miles outside of New York City is not that far. Um, I mean, I think even the Hamptons are closer, but it's like a time portal back to the 1800s. That might be an overstatement, but not really. So this place we call the compound because it's about like five acres. It's got a whole bunch of land, a couple of airstream trailers, um, a main house and two smaller structures to sleep in if you have more guests. But it was just me, uh, my husband and our dog. So we mainly stayed in the main house. This house is beautiful. There's a koi pond, an outdoor fireplace. It's really sort of picturesque, uh, cabin sort of life. It's cute, it's quaint. The setting's gorgeous. So my husband's niece just happens to be working as a summer camp counselor, just um, like literally like less than 10 minutes away from this compound. So we thought this would be a great opportunity uh, because we haven't seen her in over a year because of the uh, the pandemic. And just a huge coincidence uh, that she's in town or like nearby. So we scheduled our trip up there um, so she could spend a few days with us, uh, her like days off or her nights off. And luckily she has a friend uh, from back home, back in California, working at this camp this summer too. So we extended a dinner invitation to him as well. And these kids, they're 19, they're both 19 years old. (laughs) Being around 19 year olds um, as a 43 year old is really humbling. But they really seem to get life or at least to a degree that I don't think I did at their age. So we drove up on a Tuesday, and it's not that long of a drive, uh, about three hours, I'd say, one way. Um, it, in New York, it takes the first hours basically just getting out of the city. It takes an hour to get out of the city no matter what. <laughs> so uh, we arrived Tuesday afternoon. We settled in, unpacked, and we had dinner with friends that live just across the street from the compound. Um, A couple of New Yorkers that decided to move upstate, uh, get rid of their Brooklyn apartment, and stay in their cabin, um, their upstate house basically, when the pandemic started. So Tuesday night, it rained so hard, I thought the roof was gonna cave in. If you follow me on Instagram, you're probably aware of what happened on Tuesday. Uh, There's a tin roof on this cabin, so, and we were sleeping in the upper loft, so the noise is just amplified. And I was actually in the TV room, um, kind of separate from the main house, trying to record a podcast when all I heard was just this thunderous sound from above. <laughs> and it really sounded like nothing I'd ever heard in my entire life before. So, and if you've listened to the bonus episode I released a few days ago, you can probably pick up on the rain because you can hear it uh, amplified through this microphone. So while while my intention was to record some great bonus eps uh, in complete silence, maybe some birds chirping outside (laughs) uh, with this great sound quality, no sirens, no trains, Mother Nature had other ideas and Mother Nature always (laughs) wins. 
The next day, we heard a large rustling as it continued, uh, and it continued for about 10, 15 seconds, but they sounded like the longest 10 to 15 seconds of my life before a sudden boom. And we couldn't see the back of the house uh, because there are no windows to the back of the house from the kitchen. But it became clear that a tree had fallen over. So we headed outside to inspect the damage. And I also need to mention just how much rain they've been getting upstate. And I'm using the word upstate, but it's basically the Pennsylvania-New York border. It's rained almost every single day this month, if I'm not mistaken. So up on a very small hill just behind the house, there was a tree that snapped in half at its midpoint, not even from the roots. I'm pretty sure it was just waterlogged and it couldn't keep itself from toppling over. It didn't really look like rot. It wasn't hit by lightning. It wasn't very windy that day. It's just this tree had too much water in it, so it got weak and fell over (laughs) at like the nine foot mark. It just bent over and fell and it landed about five feet away from this huge picture window in the bathroom. Luckily, nothing was broken, except maybe like my mental health. (laughs) So on Wednesday, uh, we had our niece um, for a few hours because she had a couple hours off, and we took her into town. We took her to see these two local towns upstate. Uh, One's a little old (laughs) towny, and one is a little bit more hip and um, has like a fancy boutique that a Hollywood actor's wife owns. So it's like this like dual world place where it's still very rural, rural, but um, you can also buy, you could also buy like a carved marble uh, weed pipe for like $500. It's like one of those places. Bougie, you know? So um, we went into town, we did a little sightseeing and shopping, and uh, our niece went to the post office to buy some stamps to send some letters back home, which I thought was super cute. Uh, but that was also the day that there was a smallish, but kind of biggish, brown, black bear, brown bear, dark bear that ran across the yard. And from the time my husband spotted it to the time I noticed it was like the blink of an eye. Uh, And by the time I could tell what it was, it was, it had gone through the yard and was on the other side of the fence. We had no time to even like look at our phones, grab video, pictures, anything. It was, we saw it, we were panicked, our mouths dropped. And then by that time we were like, make sure our dog is inside and safe. And then by that time we looked out the window again and the bear was gone. The funny thing is we had um, a sliding door open but only the screen was intact. And then the front door of the house is also a screen door. So there was just wire mesh separating us and this bear. I had never seen a bear in the wild before. It was so quiet, it came from nowhere. Um, And I, (laughs) if I had decided to feed the koi in the pond earlier in that morning, I, I can't imagine what would have happened if I came face to face with this bear. Um, I also was going to take our dog out <laughs> while I was feeding the fish, so I'm glad I did it. Um, who knows what would have happened. 
the owners of the house told us in 18 years that they had never seen a bear before. <laughs> so needless, needless to say, I was spooked. We decided to go river rafting on Thursday and I did my first reel on Instagram about it. And I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> I am not an outdoor kid. I never was and I never will be. So it took a lot for me to psych myself up to be outdoorsy. <laughs> so I strapped this life jacket on securely and we hit the rapids with oars uh, on this life raft, just the two of us. And you know what? I think I would do it again. We were told by this like pimply teenager that it was a five mile down river trip and most people take about two to three hours. But we did it in like an hour and a half. <laughs> We actually tried to paddle. We should have just floated. The first raft we passed were two people that were stranded because their raft deflated. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> but it was a fine trip. Um, it wasn't very strenuous. Um, the only thing that, you know, blisters because we were we were paddling. I was going to say we were oaring. <laughs> that's, that's how much I don't know about not being outdoors. Anyway, we took a shuttle bus back upriver and it was the first time I'd been in a small enclosed space without a mask on with strangers and it kind of freaked me out. But anyway, I was fully back so I felt a little bit more safe, but I don't trust anyone not wearing a mask to be honest. So yeah, especially in, I mean, there were Trump signs up here, up there. So I have no idea who I'm interacting with. So we had dinner in town that night um, after we got back, we showered, blah, 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 got ready and went back into town. And it's about a seven mile trip from, um, it's a seven mile trip from the cabin we were staying in on the compound to town where the restaurant, where the restaurant was, where we had like pizza and salads. But with deer popping out, um, along the roads, it's just like a much more treacherous trip than anyone really expected um, but luckily we planned our dinner where it was still like light out and um, by the time we got home it's like the sun was just setting so that was fine friday was the night of our party and we were hosting it at our compound at the compound rather so we got the place ready um, we cleaned up we had chicken burgers with broccoli raw purchased from in town that was a big hit we got some sausages also I made some barbecue chicken thighs, a potato salad. Uh, someone brought over a watermelon feta salad. Um, the neighbors across the street brought that over. And um, I played DJ. And thank God Normani dropped Wild Side that night. <laughs> or the night before, I guess, or that morning. Um, because that was, I played that like six times and no one even noticed. Uh, also, no one but me realized that it was an all black playlist. And my man Kendrick would be really happy to hear that I did add Beyonce. Beyonce did make it to the playlist. So <laughs> um, take a guess as, as to what song that was. It's probably not the song everyone expects it to be. <laughs> it's like a, a little known Beyonce hit, but I think it's actually on a Destiny's Child album, but I don't think the other girls get to sing on it. Anyway, um, but you know what? Solange was the hit of the party. <laughs> I had to introduce the Boomers to Solange and Normani <laughs> and BET presents the encore, <laughs> which I'm sorry, listeners, I'm a week behind on. I'll get around to it. Maybe I'll double dose next week with two encore episodes. 
Actually, I don't know if that's going to be possible because I'm going to be traveling next week also. Stay tuned. So we had some other friends that live upstate drop by for dinner, and we all had such a good time. It rained a little bit, but, you know, I was in charge of... Uh, I was I was part DJ, part grill master, so... But, you know, whatever. I, I, I can know how to manage my time. The camp counselors, unfortunately, had to get back at 9.30, so we, um, my husband volunteered to drive our niece and her friend back to the camp, and then he came back, and then the party was just all adults, which was fine. <laughs> Um, we got to party as adults without fear of being judged by two 19-year-olds. <laughs> just kidding. I don't think they would have. But, you know, it's just... Everyone can be more themselves, I guess, Not now that the, the young adults had left. <laughs> Saturday. Let's see. Saturday, we spent a little time in the morning, um, you know, like cleaning up, getting the place back in order. We had a late breakfast with our uh, neighbor friends across the street. And while we were on their deck, we heard a loud boom. And then someone noticed some power lines swinging. So we thought, oh great, it's another tree that fell down. And we honestly didn't think much of it, but I think in the back of my mind, this kind of like was weighing heavily, like maybe we should get back. But the way we saw it is like our dog is not at the house, so there's no reason to go back to the house immediately. Plus there's trees everywhere and it could have just fallen and just like fallen onto the the ground and no big deal. We should have drove back to the house to check on things, but we didn't. So instead, we went over to another friend's house. Uh, our, our friends, our other friends have some property up there and uh, they're sort of building their house. We went to go check on their progress and maybe take a dip in the uh, local swimming hole. But then there was a threat of rain and thunder, so we drank beers on their deck instead. A few hours later... Uh, we head back to the compound, but we let our friends across the street drive their Jeep up the road first since we have a Mini Cooper and our Mini Cooper is not good on these roads. And when we get back to the compound, we were shocked. The tree by the driveway had toppled over. It had knocked over some power lines and the power was out. And we both agreed that it was time to get back home. <laughs> It was around 3.30, and we could get back to Brooklyn before it was dark. And there was no guarantee that power would be restored that night or even the next night. And without power, there wasn't much we could do. Like, our food was going to go bad. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, I didn't see, like, flashlights available. And um, because it was raining so much, we I had had trouble lighting the candles the night before. <laughs> So I was just like, let's just, we can't be here. Nature is trying to kill us. We quickly cleared the washer, um, the laundry washer full of like dinner napkins from the night before. We stuffed our suitcases and we basically gave away all of the perishables in the refrigerator to, uh, to these friends uh, across the street. Our neighbors did say that we could spend the night, but we didn't want to risk the take the risk of having more trees fall or them losing power and then we're just like all like crazy under like one roof so we packed up the car and then like the team of electricians of like that work for the power company came out and they basically blocked our car in and these were just like plain ass like local yokel assholes that just looked at us like we weren't even speaking english we 
they rather i i let the white men take the lead on this so my husband and uh this friend of ours went up to them the electrician the, the power line people and asked if they could move their truck so that we could get the car out and get the fuck out of there and they were just so slow so silent so so microaggressive that they were just like whatever um like I said, I let the white men deal with this bullshit because Lord knows I would have lost it on Cletus and his best friend Beavis. We drove back to Brooklyn safely in record time. Not a single drop of rain hit us on the way home, and we were so happy to sleep in our own bed. Sunday, we spent just catching up on shows, <laughs> thankful for being back in Brooklyn, and I highly recommend The White Lotus on HBO Max. I'm not sure where it's heading, but the script, I think, is great. The acting is amazing, and it's shot in Hawaii, and it's gorgeous. So I have a while to go before I'm caught up on the encore, me, you, and my ex, the challenge. And like I said, I'm also leaving for California next week for two weeks to visit family, so I really need to figure out how I'm going to release these episodes on a more timely basis. Sorry. But let's talk about Gossip Girl 2, which <laughs> Gossip Girl episode two, uh, I think she's having a maybe, which is, I just realized they're gonna have like stupid titles. And the teachers are all huddled around for parent-teacher conferences and they're, well, at least Kate Keller is trying to impress the parents by wearing these Roger Vivier shoes. And I think the teachers are the weakest part of the show. Like if there were no teachers, I'd still be okay with this show. From a logical standpoint, I think it's still way too early in the school year for parent-teacher night, no? But this show doesn't seem to follow any type of logic, so whatever. Julian says that she misses Obi in the elevator going up to Dumbo Hall, but I ask myself, does she? It doesn't even seem like she likes him very much, and he's just a prop for her Instagram stories. I mean, let's face it, are the cool kids even posting stories anymore? I feel like it's all about reels. Everyone keeps telling me it's all about reels. And am I the only one that finds it weird that this is the conversation taking place in a crowded elevator? Like, are none of the other people listening to this conversation that the Queen Bee is having? Makes no sense to me. I'm getting these weird vibes from uh, Audrey and Max. He's making fun of her for being monogamusty. That is a tough joke. <laughs> Monogamusty, monogamous, monog uh, whatever. You can tell like an older gay man wrote this joke, right? <laughs> what a clunker. So Aki shows up and Max tries to flirt with him. And um, Aki replies, never in a million years, but thanks for thinking of me. And I'm pretty sure they're bound to fall in love or at least have some minor maybe I shouldn't use the word minor in this context, uh, have some, have a little penetrative sex in the near future, I assume, I think, I hope. <laughs> uh, so why is this teacher, a lowly teacher, able to gain access to this exclusive Dumbo Hall? Wouldn't the fact a teacher has access to Dumbo Hall mean that it's not cool and that the students of Constance Billard would not want to go here? I can't imagine hanging out someplace where like my teachers were hanging out in high school. I mean, it was hard enough like 
grabbing breakfast at the McDonald's on Chambers Street when teachers were around. I think Aubrey has potential. I think I think Aubrey has potential. I may be the most like her, I think. I especially love when she snatches the phone and takes a pic because it's taking too long for Monet, Luna, or Julian to get the right angle at the bar. She's like, I'll take the picture, fine. Here's your phone back. I think it's also rude when someone wipes out their phone for likes on the Instagram. It's just so calculated and such a waste of time. The amount of vodka or gin martinis these 16-year-olds drink blows my mind. Like, these are juniors, right? I mean, when I was in, when I was younger, we were lucky to be drinking Zima. Or like Bartles and James wine coolers. Or like Mr. Boston's brandy on the DL after school in like Battery Park City. And I'm sorry, but this show has the worst dialogue. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. This show has bad dialogue. <laughs> Julian says, I just didn't realize how invested my followers were in us as a unit. I kind of thought they were only there for me. It's either like these kids just can't act or it's, they need someone younger to be running their dialogue because I don't think kids talk this way. And Aubrey's mom is named Catherine, but they call her Kiki. And I got very, very strong um, Leah McSweeney vibes from this image of Kiki they're trying to set up. She's a drunk athleisure wear designer <laughs> and a single mom. Hmm, that seems on the nose. We also learned that Aubrey, um, we learned that Aubrey, we learned from Aubrey that Kiki didn't make it to parent-teacher night and she'll probably miss the fundraiser tomorrow. So I need a timeline check. Last week was the first day of school and then it ha then fashion week was the next day and now it's parent-teacher night and then there's a fundraiser tomorrow. This is a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> it's very... Uh, active social calendar the school has. So the Vinegar Hill House shout out I loved because it's a restaurant that everyone I know loves and has been too many times, but I've never been able to get a table there for any occasion. It's within walking distance to our place and the food is really, really good I hear, but it's small and incredibly hard to get into. It's also walking distance to Dumbo Hall, so Good on the writers for getting that bit of truth right. JC texts Obi and he responds that he's going to bed and that maybe they'll talk tomorrow. He said maybe, and she's crushed. Meanwhile, Obi emerges out of the one train 79th Street station and he's going to meet Zoya. So Tom and Rafa are in the bathroom at Dumbo Hall. Rafa is the uh, black short-sleeved wearing teacher from the first week. And in this clunky exposition, we learn that he's an electives teacher. <laughs> so he's not required to be at parent-teacher night. Okay. He also doesn't fuck his students. So let's all assume that Max Wolf will get Rafa fired so he can sleep with him. Right? That's how. Well, that's what's going to happen. And I guess we learn that Rafa has a reputation as the best lay in New York City. I find that hard to believe. I doubt it, but to these two twinks, I'll call one Sean Mendez and the other one the token black A, that they are all cut up with the gossip on the male general thread about Rafa's sexual prowess. And this show makes me realize the internet is a bad, bad place. What does Zoya's dad do? Because they just moved from Buffalo and this apartment looks super expensive. Not only is there a doorman, 
but there's this huge awning with recessed lighting over their lobby, like the exterior of their lobby. It almost looks like a theater marquee. This building is probably one of the... I, I can't place where the building is, but I'm sure this place is not cheap to rent. I find Zoya and Obi so annoying, I don't want to talk about them. But of course, some spy snaps a pic of them, and I think it's worth bringing up that Obi is essentially taking the place of Julian and Zoya's mom. I'ma call her Jay-Z because... <laughs> I'm gonna call her Jay-Z's mom for now because I don't know what her actual name is. I think it might have been Marion, but I could easily be making that up. Um, so Jay-Z's mom was in love with Davis, Julian's mom, and then fell in love with Nick, Zoya's mom. So yeah, Obi is basically uh, Jay-Z's mom's substitute for the show. And I also learned that Obi's real name is Otto, and I think I'm just going to call him Otto from now on because I don't like calling him Obi. We get less cameos in this episode, which is a good thing. There were just way too many cameos in the first episode. Uh, there's no Lindsay Peoples-Wagner from Teen Vogue. There's no Christopher John Rogers. There's no Mel Ottenberg from Interview Magazine. It's just we get the cast, the teachers, and that's pretty much it. So this is one of the reasons I hate the teachers. One of. <laughs> it's parent-teacher night. It's getting late. The teachers keep complaining about the freshman parents being the last to meet with them. But now they're in the teacher's lounge, wasting more time complaining about how late it is. Stop complaining about how late it is and doing things like meeting in the teacher's lounge. Just speed through the rest of the meetings, you idiots. And why would a teacher, I'm sorry, why would a parent go look for a teacher in the teacher's lounge? I'm 100% sure that the teacher stays in the classroom and the parents come to them, no? And then this whole plan to post an old photo of Otto and JC to fool people, it's just also so dumb. Particularly because Audrey says that Otto won't find out, and then JC explains it away by saying Obi doesn't have, Obi doesn't even have Instagram, or Obi doesn't have IG. I hate when people say IG. But not a single one of his friends has IG and isn't going to tell him? It's highly implausible. So, Nicholas Lott, Zoya's dad, and Miss Keller meet in a library? Not even a classroom. And her phone keeps vibrating. <laughs> and she claims it's a New York Times notification. But the frequency of these New York Times notifications, if you are informed, wouldn't Mr. Lott want to know what kind of breaking news was happening? Because it sounds like, you know, it's either an earthquake, a fire, some kind of major emergency that could affect all of New York City. Monet, oh my dear Monet, Monet calls Zoya a buffalo hoe, like a hoe from Buffalo. And I think that's, that's, that's also something like a 40-year-old gay man would write for a teenage kid, right? Uh, it's one good dig in an episode, but it's not going to keep me from watching. So up your game, writers. Uh, cringe line alert? Don't do it for your brand. Do it for yourself. <laughs> God. <laughs> I was hoping for a stunt cast for Audrey's mom. Um, Kiki Hope. Catherine. Catherine Hope. I was thinking, you know, who would who would kill it in this role? And I was like, well, like 
let's just get Nicole Kidman to do it. <laughs> I don't know why she do the show. But they got Laura Benanti. Not 100% sold on her. Uh, some stuff happens, but I wasn't paying attention, so I'm not going to recap it. And is Zoya in a proper school uniform? Because I feel like her tank top is a violation. And I get that JC doesn't carry books to school, but I feel like having her show up in a Louis Vuitton Speedy is just unrealistic. But I guess no one besides me watches this show for realism, huh? Like, if the boys are wearing backpacks, why can't the girls? Audrey points out that her boyfriend Aki is looking at shirtless photos of their classics teacher. Um, classics is an elective? That seems along the lines of Western Civ or global studies, um, some like mandatory class necessary to graduate, but I'm just being petty. I don't think classics at Constance Billard would be an elective. <laughs> Aki says this wolf thinks he can huff and puff and blow this man. I think Max Wolf could do better. And the Rafa Instagram is now private and has zero photos, like the actual Rafa uh, Kaparos Instagram is now private and has zero photos, so that's a nice touch if, in fact, like the team of producers has people like Instagramming um, as the characters of the show. It's kind of a nice touch, but it's a little almost too meta, though. So our resident um, sex-obsessed Max Wolf notices the tiles, and he can tell that the object of his affection is at 10th Street Baths on a Tuesday during school hours. Another highly implausible thing, and the tension between Max and Aki is my favorite part of the show. Literally. Like, give me a full background on their origin story. I want to know how they met. Are their parents friends? Have they vacationed together? <laughs> do they own property in Hawaii or something? Um, how do they hang out? And I need to know all the intricacies of what it's like to be Aki to Max and Max to Aki because this is the only one true pair I care about on this show. Like justice for these two. There's so much subtle flirting between these two characters. Each look between them lasts a little longer than normal. Uh, each sentence between them has some shade and is kind of a disguised read. They're true friends, but obviously there's something between them. It's just a bunch of hidden codes and I'm having the best time deciphering their relationship. And then some other Obi Auto Zoya stuff happens on their first date, whatever. And then Monet says something about I'm all out of hashtags. It's like it's just so cringeworthy, these words. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then JC reaches out to the cancelled gossip girl account to get some dirt on Zoya, so Obi slash Otto won't want to date her, I think. It's, I don't understand these like power plays. That's why I can't like play Big Brother. I don't know how to influence or manipulate people in this way. The show really started for me though uh, at the 10th Street Baths. So at about 26 minutes in, um, I really started to pay attention to the show. Uh, yes, I am fully aware that I am taking this queer bait, but I'm okay with it more than the queer bait we get on TLC's Welcome to Plathville with that Aryan-looking twink and his modeling posts on Instagram. There's just something about Evan Mock's hairless, smooth body, his pink hair, and his 
like all shucks good guy persona that just really works for me. He also reminds me of this BMX biker, um, this guy I used to work with at Barnes & Noble who was like a professional BMX biker, skateboarder, um, X Games guy uh, when I was in my late 20s. They even have like the same manner of speaking. I invited this kid, let's call him Joe. <laughs> I invited Joe to a party at my apartment in San Francisco and somehow we decided to play truth or dare. This was like a large work party. Uh, my boss was even there from Barnes and Noble. And while truth or dare was being played, I was dared to lick his neck. And I kind of like looked at him thinking he'd be all like, oh, no, you can't do that. And he was like all for it. He was like, you want to lick my neck? Yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> and I remember licking his neck up to his ear and getting a little nibble <laughs> because obviously alcohol. And it was the most erotic thing I've ever done while still fully dressed in the presence of other people and a straight man. <laughs> I wonder what happened to that kid and how many bones he's broken skateboarding or doing stunts on his bike. <laughs> he also had this passing resemblance to Keanu Reeves, so that was a huge plus. Yeah. He also has no social media presence right now, so I, I, hope, he, I hope he's still alive. <laughs> So Max and Aki are at 10th Street Baths, and um, 10th Street Baths, if you are outside of New York City, is a Turkish-Russian bathhouse. Um, I think the housewives of New York City have also gone there. I think, Ro what's her name? Leah might have taken um, the older women to there. And so much happens in this scene. We get to hear Aki complain about Audrey. We get to see him also clue in and get Rafa jealous by kissing Max on the lips. And it's a pretty long kiss. And then Max looks down because they're only wearing towels, you know, covering their junk. Um, Aki asks, did it work? And Max, <laughs> kind of looking at his boner, uh, Aki's boner, uh, we can assume that he's probably a little hard. So yeah, it worked. Better than expected, he says. <laughs> I love these two. So Rafa confronts Max and says that you should still be at school, and Max spits back, so should you. So who the fuck is teaching the classics elective up on 81st Street if these two are down on 10th Street, 71 blocks away? The show doesn't need a story editor. They need a logic controller. It makes no sense at all. But, you know, I don't think anyone cares. I don't think anyone's watching the show for... Log for um, Anything to, like, make sense. <laughs> Should we follow him and do it again, Aki asks. And let's face it, we can all tell he's truly in love with Max. Max has a beautiful face and a great body. And he's only dating Audrey as a beard. Or at least I think so. And I just really want these two to express how they feel to each other. In the rain. <laughs> in a garden somewhere. And then rip off each other's clothes. So Jordan, the male teacher, and Kate Keller are the most problematic characters on this show. They bug the hell out of me. I'd be okay just fast-forwarding all of their scenes together, but I don't think my husband will let me. <laughs> and in an ironic twist, we learn that Kate means pure. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's ironic. Uh, and Zoya lets it slip that she was kicked out of her old school. I'm sure that's going to come back in future episodes. Can the producers do us a favor and never show us Otto shirtless again? Or in a towel? Ever again? 
I didn't need to see that. So we get the Kristen Bell uh, Gossip Girl voiceover where she mentions something about the internal revelation service. And these are some revelations I discovered over the past week. As I get older, I'm becoming more obsessed over young twinks more than I realize. <laughs> um, I hate internet discourse about the housewives because people are just so quick to defend their favorite housewife, and I think that's moronic. Andy Cohen is problematic and surrounds himself with problematic white men. And he's so out of touch with the viewers. I hate Captain Sandy. Um, when we got back to Brooklyn and I opened our apartment door, I noticed that the money tree that my mom gave me about five years ago, it, it broke in half. <laughs> and it's really the only memento um, I have that connects me to my mother. My mother's been in Korea for like the last three years now. And, uh, you know, with COVID, there's almost no chance I'm going to go get a chance to see her. Um, so, yeah. Um, and this tree falling was just like a stark reminder of me trying to battle Mother Nature over the last five days and sorely losing and the trees that were falling around me upstate that I couldn't see but I could hear before I actually noticed what was happening and could tell um, exactly what was going on, these, these sounds and these noises triggered me in a way that I didn't realize until I was like we were driving down and they reminded me of what happened on 9-11. And 9-11, I realized, happened this year. It's going to be 20 years since 9-11 happened. And I haven't like fully healed from that shit. I was in Manhattan when 9-11 happened and I think I was like in my sophomore, maybe my junior year. Um, and there was so much unknown, so much uncertainty, so much that like without cell phone service after the tower fell that I just was, I. it was all like news that you were hearing from uh, taxi cab radios or people uh, walking on the street that were all just like in shock, like all like just stupefied because we didn't know what we were, what was happening. So we all just kind of like went to the west side, waited for the ferry to get back to New Jersey. Um, and it like put me in this place of like, wow, I'm in my early twenties. My father is living in Georgia, my mother was living in Korea, and I am literally alone in this city that I call my home while a terrorist attack is happening. And I think it just really scared the shit out of me, not knowing what was happening around me. And when I was upstate, I also realized I have no idea what's happening around me, and I did not like it. So those were my <laughs> internal revelations. I'm a child of routine. I like my routine. I like the same things over and over again on a schedule. Yeah, I can't wait to go back to a daily schedule. <laughs> so do Ak and Julian live in the same apartment building? Because I don't think we've gotten a lot of his background, but when he's getting ready for this fundraiser night, it looks like it's the same view from JC's apartment. Um, I also... I may be mistaken, or is he getting ready at Audrey's apartment? I, I don't know. It's also weird we never get to see what incident happened at Zoya's old school for her to get expelled. It's just, it's brought up, but we never actually see it. And I'm sorry, but 
What kind of idiot dad and daughter accept an invitation to something not knowing who sent them the invite? I just thought this was dumb. And I think it's hilarious that the show is trying to reinforce the idea that Salvatore Ferragamo loafers on teenagers are cool. Nope, not buying it. So Zoya finds out that Otto bought her ticket and her dad's ticket so they could have their first date where no one would find out. Okay, if you say so. So, as an only child and not having dated in high school, is it common for a guy to date the popular queen of the school and then date her younger half-sister and not have it affect his social status? Because it seems like this would just be the blueprint for social suicide. And can we all assume that Nick Lott, Zoya's dad, and Kate Keller are eventually going to date because there's something going on between these two, I feel. So Max is bidding on the private tour of New York City Picassos. Um, The tour guide will be Rafa. And Max asks Ak if he's jealous or something. And Aki responds, of course not. So yeah, he is obviously jealous that Max wants Rafa when Ak wants Max all to himself. I get it. I'm sure there have been guy friends of mine I've wanted more than just friendship with, and it's an enormous struggle to put those feelings aside and just be platonic friends. Max says he doesn't want to get in the middle of Aubrey and Aki unless you want me to, he teases, and uh, let's face it, it's gonna happen, right? I hope it happens at senior prom or some international field trip where there's going to be a room swap and Max and Audrey and Ak will all end up hooking up. I bet it happens. This part blew me away. What the hell is happening? So Zoya and Obi slash Otto trek all the way to Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, my neighborhood, and head to Apple Art Supplies, which is right by the Pratt Institute, uh, this art school. And it's just a few blocks away from me. Um, which means for non-New Yorkers, they went from midtown Manhattan all the way to Brooklyn to have this hardworking black man, Mr. Williams, open up his art supply store to buy a shit ton of school supplies for disadvantaged kids with Otto's Amex black card. I screamed. I screamed because across from Apple Art Supply is my favorite New York style pizza joint, Luigi's Pizzeria. It's got the best sauce, like in the neighborhood. Also, um, we see Kate Keller blocking the entrance to the bodega next to the pizzeria across the street from the art supply store. (laughs) If this lady was blocking the entrance to this bodega, for as long as she does taking pictures of uh, Obi and uh, Zoya, she'd be yelled at. Someone would say, get the fuck out of the way, Blondie. (laughs) Um, I wanted some local to yell off screen. Yo, I'm trying to get a pack of smokes, a six pack and some paper towels, you know, like corner store essentials for college students or, you know, just like locals. Um, Yeah, like you can't stand in the doorway this long. And I give the show props for locating Apple Art Supply in the right borough and location because when Kate sends this to JC, you can actually see on the map it says Clinton Hill. So there's no denying that they went from Manhattan to Brooklyn. 
anyway, no one that's not a New Yorker cares, but I cared a lot. <laughs> um, does anyone, well, does any gay man find Rafa attractive? Because I don't. He's one of the least attractive men on the show. He has this Botoxed, groomed, and plasticized look about him. Anyway, he informs Max that the items auctioned are only for parents. They're not available for students, so his dads will have to do the Picasso tour, which I think kind of means that his one of his dads is going to end up hooking up with Rafa, right? There's no chemistry between Rafa and Max. I'm sorry. I am looking forward to the end of this story sooner. The sooner the better. Then we get a full minute montage of Zobi buying school supplies and they kiss while JC and Monet are watching from behind the glass door. And I know they're actually on location because I can see the pizzeria and the bodega behind them and that's maybe the direction I'll go for it in Gossip Girl going forward because the plot makes no sense to me. To recap, there's no point. So I think I'm just going to focus on locations and fashion. However, none of the clothes really stood out to me this episode. Like, not one single outfit. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I hated Luna's frilly spring floral print for the fundraiser. It looked way too, like, 80s Laura Ashley outlet sale to me. Um, but I love all the Brooklyn locations so far, because it makes me feel like an extra, and it blows my mind that so much of Brooklyn is being used for a show taking place on Manhattan's Upper East Side. Wait, on second thought, I, I hated the train on the dress that JC is wearing because she's literally sweeping the streets of Brooklyn as she walks. So we find out that Kiki's filing for bankruptcy, Audrey's hooked up with Max the night before, Davis and JC have a chat, and I lose interest because um, I really, really hate JC's reliance on going to school in biker shorts. It's just so ugly. Um, oh, and Monet is in a red version of that tweed suit, which I thought was Chanel from the first episode, but it's probably Veronica Beard, I'm almost certain. Luna and Monet tell JC that Zoya's withdrawing from school, but how do they know that? This is a stretch. It's not like they're friends with each other, uh, and it's also happening right now. So JC goes to chase after Zoya, but first Monet says that she ordered jello shots from Instagram. Who the fuck writes this dialogue, and why is it so bad? Side note, I hung out with some high schoolers, uh, New York City private high schoolers over the July 4th weekend, and we all made jello shots, and no one was ordering them from Instagram. And these are the same types of kids that are depicted on Gossip Girl, they're just much more real and grounded than anyone on this reboot. And uh, I love these 14-year-olds, but these 16-year-olds are awful people. <laughs> and can we talk about the timing coincidence that JC arrives at school just before the uh, administrative woman who only wears floral print shows them to the headmistress? It's just too much of a coincidence. So JC gives Zoya her blessing to date Otto? Because they make sense, while Otto and JC didn't. What a forgiving high school junior, but I'm still not buying it. So yeah, I mean, I don't know how long I can <laughs> find the uh, the energy to recap this. I think, I hope it gets better, 
but like the first two episodes are like a solid B minus C for me. Hey, all you problematics. Thanks for listening. Check me out on Instagram. I can be found at problematicpod. That's problematicpod. And leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Check you next time. Thanks for listening.